Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place, The Legend of Korra. Hello everybody and welcome back to Streaming in Place. We are closing out our week 31 here on the podcast with our look back at The Legend of Korra, book four balance, but just also the whole series and reflecting on what we thought of this season and how we feel about the show at the end of its of our experience of its run. Um, so Allison, I'm going to throw to you first as our newbie, our new viewer. Uh, what did you think of the show? How do you feel like they pulled everything together in the last season? You know, uh, I feel sort of like I got sneak attacked. Like when I sat down to to launch our little Zoom today, I thought, oh, wow, I I guess it is done. Cora's done. This is the last Cora. This is the last time we're going to talk about Cora. And and I, I don't know. It surprised me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that is, but it's a little disorienting, I guess. And I wonder if maybe it's just that See, now I'm going to make this analysis. I wonder if maybe it's just that not all of the seasons of the show felt particularly whole to me. Um, however, the last one really did. And I think um, for all of its flaws, and we've talked about them at length, there are so many virtues to celebrate as well. And a lot of those virtues are on display in this fourth season. Um, the finale I'm growing warmer on the longer I sit with it. Obviously those last few minutes in particular just really <laughs> thrilled me. Um, but as a whole, I just think uh, they really ended it beautifully. And, um, and I love that the creators got a chance to explore such a different piece of this world that they created. Uh, it would have been really easy to just make it feel like Avatar The Last Airbender and it does not. I think it's easy to forget how abrupt, um, or I guess maybe that's not the best word, um, how startling uh, it was to fall into Korra's world because of the difference in the look and the sound and um, the way the action was created and the movement of the plot and the themes being explored. Um, I think it's really admirable that they took such a big swing after such a great success. And um, again, flaws aside, I think the final season is proof that 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 was a risk worth taking uh, because it's fascinating. I'm very excited to revisit this series in a couple of years and see how my views on it have changed. I'm looking forward to sort of letting it live with me and ruminating on some of the meteor bits for a while. I, I'm just glad that this is now a part of my personal canon, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. For me, um, revisiting it, I, I have such an affinity for the show and for the character and the, you know, the world and everything. And I don't know how much of that was borne out in this rewatch, because I had not remembered the things I wasn't that fond of. And I had just remembered all the things I love about the show. Um, but I don't, I, I don't really care about that. I think I, I, I have an affinity and a love for Cora the character, and all the potential of that character uh, that is not limited by what I feel like they captured on screen and what they didn't. If Does that make sense? Like all the all the possibilities and what that character means and represents more than you know is more exciting to me than necessarily the bits of that that we saw executed on screen uh yeah 
Yeah, no, I totally feel that. I, I suspect that that's what my experience is going to be a lot like the further away I move, the further away I move from actually watching it, the things that were so impactful are going to resonate with me and the things that didn't work so well are just going to, I mean, some of them I will probably now remember fondly because we joked about them a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to remember Mako the boy very fondly because <laughs> of all of our fun banter sure. about him. Um, but uh, the things that I just admired um, wholly, I think, are the things that will resonate six months, a year, two years, three years from now. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly why or when, but I, I ended up putting Cora on a list of, like, best characters or heroes or something of the 2000s. Um, and I was – and I'm very – happy with that. I, I, I feel very confident standing by that, having just rewatched the show. Even though, like, the do what I put the show overall as one of the best shows of the, you know, 2010s or whatever, probably not. But as far as characters, uh, I, yeah, I, I really do, I really do love Korra. Even if she was rarely my favorite character in a given episode or a given season. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, you know, we think of Avatar and Aang was usually not our favorite character or the most interesting character. For me, um, Korra really very much is Korra's story, even if, you know, Tenzin is our favorite or our good boy Bolin or the various, you know, different characters who got spotlights. Noel, how was it for you revisiting the season? I think that one of the things that really hit home for me revisiting this season um, and the show as a whole, because I think that this is such book four, such a strong conclusion to the show and what the show really wants to do, I think ultimately um, is the thing about Cora, both the show and the character is that they're weighted by those expectations, right? Of Aang um, and of um, just how there's, how both they're supposed to function as a television show, but also how they're supposed to function as an avatar. And I think that the most compelling thing that comes out of this season is the ways in which that gets mirrored and refracted through Kavira's own struggles to take over and rule the Earth Kingdom with an iron fist. Um, there's this, for me, there's this concept of Korra is literally coming of age as the world that she exists in is coming of age. And I think that that's just a really kind of potent thing to kind of explore without really hitting it over the head. Um and I think that for me, especially like with Korra as a character who I agree, Kate, I think she's one of the best characters from the 2010s, even if she's never your favorite, because of how she functions in this narrative and how the narrative functions to serve her, that it just really heightens this idea of the fact that when Aang shows, comes out of the iceberg in Last Airbender, it's been a hundred years since anyone's seen an avatar. So it's been a generation or so. And no one has a concept of what an avatar is supposed to be or do at that point. No one even like really believes that the avatar was, it's real. It's kind of like the Jedi at some mm-hmm. point of like, were the Jedi ever really real? Um, and I think that that 
builds out. So there was no sense of comparing Aang to Roku. Aang compared himself to Roku, but no one else did because no one else has any frame of reference for that. Um, but everyone has a frame of reference for Aang, including Korra. Mm-hmm. And the ways in which that generational transformation occurs in this series and in this season in particular, where she's actually battling a person who is her contemporary, who has a different vision, um, I think just really heightens that whole expectation game that has been running throughout the entire series, but really, really hits home really hard here as it's literally the dawn of a new avatar and a new era for the, for her world. And I think that's just really potent and really powerful. And everything that they do in this season, I think really drives that home really, really well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like even just the way that the show distinguishes itself from uh, airbender just by, you know, embracing the spirit world and really exploring that element of the avatars like role and what it means. Um, and, and just concerning itself with such different things because there isn't a hundred year war and right. common and all those other things. It's yeah. It, yeah. I think that's very astute. You're smart and all. Allison, you're also very smart. I'm very glad I have smart people to talk to you about this show because my instinct would be like, it's pretty and it's fun. It um, is pretty and it is fun. <laughs> I, uh, the, none of these things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> listeners, you couldn't see this, but at one point no, when Noel was talking about Cora coming of age with the world she inhabits coming of age at the same time, I um, like punched my hands together and then kind of punched the air. Uh, but I was muted, so you couldn't hear me going, oh, that's so smart that's so smart but that's really smart good job (laughs) well the thing is is like i came like i developed that thing that concept of the show back in 2014 at this finale and i was really pleased that it held up because it still holds up really well and arguably i think it resonates even more now um especially like as generations are really starting to transition and as I've like really kind of struggled with this idea of continuously this idea of like looking to a younger, younger generation to save us, um, which is something if you're on social media or too online, capital T, capital O, um, you're just like, yeah, no, Gen Zers and the K-pop stands and everyone, they're going to save us. And it's just like, they shouldn't have to be saving us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so like that, this whole aspect of it as well really resonated with me, um, as well, like this generational conflict almost that's not, again, not really deeply explicit, except in really arguably season two and three to a certain extent. Um, but in this season, it's very much a, how do we want the world to look? And it's split between Korra and Kavira. And I really like that. And woo. And Wu, right? exactly. Wu, yeah, no, we shouldn't leave out Wu in that that triad as well. Even though his <laughs> his perception of things is a little <laughs> is a little less like clear, but Cora is yeah. also like developing what she wants to be as well. But these it's these different ideas of characters of a similar age, uh, ex- examining what they think the world should be and how it should be shaped and formed, and who has the power and who should have the power, and what does that power what privileges and responsibilities does it entail um so yeah it's that's it's a it's a 
really interesting lens to approach the show from. Uh, yeah. The, another aspect that, you know, I, we have to talk about more of these characters. I want to know favorite episodes. I want to know favorite characters. I want to know best animals. All of that good fun stuff for season four. But one of the things that I actually really appreciate about the series and about these seasons, uh, these last few seasons, is while I would have liked and appreciated more meaningful content for for Mako and Bolin, there is something kind of amazing about putting them in such clear supporting roles in Korra's story. Because usually when I think of our uh, action heroines, especially younger, you know, she starts at a 17, by the end of the show she's in her early 20s, right? Heroines, and they have their squad, their team, usually the guys are not anywhere near as officially like relegated like side characters as it is when it's gender reversed and the shows just straight up yeah they're the b team they are great and all but this is not their story they do not need to be primary in this story they are there to support and to fill the bench and mako's there to talk to woo all season which is going to make a way bigger difference than if he was punching things and bolin is there to bless his heart, to eventually wake up <laughs> and assist Beric and Julie. Like, they're there to assist. Yeah, he's there to assist, but he's really, he's weirdly like the narrative engine that keeps everything moving this season because mm-hmm. of how much he bounces around. Um, which, again, is not what you expect for that kind of character in this. But he 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 propel, he provides like the narrative potatoes and vegetables to keep things going um he's the fiber <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i would have liked more of them i would have liked more tenzin i would you know like cuz they this show has a surplus of characters that i really like and not enough stuff for them to do but in the end it doesn't bother me because it's so refreshing to see that and to see the, not just that the characters aren't given much to do by the writers, but they are in significant support roles and they are very happy to contribute in that way. And they had, they, and like none of the characters see any problem with that. It's as it should be, it is appropriate. And it's just a given for this world, like in Schitt's Creek, everyone is tolerant and accepting in the world of Schitt's Creek. Cause that's what the town is like. And it's not a question of why, well, why isn't there more homophobia? That's just not in this world. There isn't a questioning of gender roles and leadership in Cora. And that just, as we're talking, it's just hitting me more and more and how wonderful that is to see and how important it is to see that in our our narrative fiction, especially our shows that are specifically geared towards younger people. You're here. I agree. Yeah. Very well said. <laughs> I don't like, you're great. We're all, you know what? We're all great. We're killing okay. it today, guys. Yeah, we are. Uh, do we have favorite episodes, favorite characters? Who's, who's the season four standout for y'all? For me? I mean, it's pretty easily like it's easily for me. It's Cora and Kuvira because I don't, they one can't function without the other in this season in very thematic but also character ways um so and i think this is really the first season where i'm just like yeah core is core is the character i really want to follow this season um and i really like that but i mean tough's in this season everyone <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was just gonna say like 
I mean, it's Cora, and I'm really glad that we ended on a season where there is no arguing the character who has the best and most satisfying arc is Cora, um, which is great um, and incredibly important and I think makes the places where the show maybe failed Cora a little bit um, easier to swallow because now the end of the arc is so satisfying, the end of the complete arc. Um, However, like... Toph, uh, <laughs> to quote Noel Kirkpatrick, Toph is goat. Um, and she's not the best character of the season, but I'm still really dazzled by what a feat it is to bring that character into this series and make her feel so familiar and so different at the same time. What a vocal performance, what a triumph of writing and animation. Um, it's this, it's the most successful piece of connective tissue between the two series. And my enjoyment of both, I think is deepened by her presence in these few episodes that she's in. So it's Cora, but as Noel said, Toph is goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can live with that. Do we have uh, episodes we want to shout out or moments or uh, animals? I feel like animals has got to be the 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 frog frog squirrel. Cat deer. It's the, it's the no, but that was not this season. Oh, this season. Badger See, badger the badger moles this yeah. season. Yes, yeah. I agree. Badger moles. Um, overall, I'm still just transfixed by the cat deer. Um, but also, I know it's complicated. When do we include? animals who are also characters and when do we not mm-hmm. um i want to throw a little honorable mention to juicy mm-hmm. um but pabu pabu yeah pabu he's so good he was he was in the wedding <laughs> it's very good he's very yeah he's, he's very good at what he does um i was talking to my parents about this and i was asking you know favorite animals that kind of thing and my dad's pick was boomju so <laughs> a good pick yeah. I mean, justice for Boomy and Boomju. I wish there was way more of them in this final season. Yeah. Boomju. Um, episodes, it's really, for me, it's really hard to pick one. Yeah. Um, or even of more than a few. I mean, obviously, like the two part finale, I think is just top notch. Um, I really do like Coral alone. Um, yeah. But I also just like, I do want to like weirdly just take a moment to highlight the fact that remember this is a decent clip show mm-hmm. episode of TV. It's not perfect by any means, um, but it's still deeply entertaining. Uh, if only for that four-way conference call between the, the bad guys. The fact that they brought back the cousin, the like ridiculous cousin, just to be in those Mako scenes is absolutely delightful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was way better than it had any right to be. Allison, were there any other episodes that stood out to you this season? Yeah. Um, I mean, like Noel, I have a hard time not just saying the finale. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also want to shout out Cora alone, which I thought was incredibly effective, um, really tense and heartbreaking. And, um, and as we talked about when we discussed the episode, um, really like, fiendishly structured mm-hmm. like it just I love when an episode is built in such a way that it just you don't realize what it's priming you for um so I really think that's great from the series overall again I'm having a hard time being distracted by the finale and how wonderful it was um but I would love to shout out um beginnings parts one and two uh which I find myself thinking about just idly mm-hmm. you know, I'll just be like 
thinking about whatever and all of a sudden I'm picturing the animation in those episodes and um, those wonderful voice performances and all of that. Um, also, and the winner is an early one, an oldie but a goodie. Um, and one I think of the best those, of, yeah. Of yeah, I think those are sort of my top tier. There are others, obviously, there are lots of great episodes of this show. Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't even touched on some of my favorite sweet boy Bolin moments. But, mm -hmm. although he obviously gets some in and the winner is too. But um, those are the ones that when I started thinking, what were my favorite episodes of the show, they immediately were like, me, me, me. So those guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw it to Marcus now, but I want you guys to be pondering your season order because I'm going to come back to you with that at the end. Oh, of I've the... got that locked down. You're okay, fine. well, then just <laughs> then mute yourself and wait while the rest of us think. It's not all of us were so prepared, Noel. Uh, Marcus, thank you for joining us. Uh, I wanted to point out something you mentioned in the chat, which we uh, hadn't gotten to when, we were, when I was talking about the gender uh, elements to the writing um, and how women in, uh, you know, these the leadership positions was just such a given in this world. You mentioned it, that's a change in the 70 years between the shows uh, for the Water Tribe. And what an excellent point. Uh, what did you think of of the season and your journey as a first time viewer with Legend of Korra? Um, this season was pretty good it wasn't as good as uh the last season in my opinion but mm -hmm. i like it more and more the more i think about it which is a good thing um there's some issues with the season i find like um i know you guys like the clip show but i still just don't care for it <laughs> whatsoever that's okay yeah it's still a clip show <laughs> i can think of better clip shows too mm -hmm. but yeah. Such as, I, give some shout outs. My personal favorite was one called Nighthawks on mm -hmm. Dead Like Me. Yeah, that was Because that one. had like a little actual like mini story around the clips that was pretty potent. And this one was just kind of like a sidebar. Mm -hmm. Other than that, what was there this season? All kind of like blurs together a bit. Yeah, when you watch it this quickly, it really does... It blurs. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite episode was Operation Beifong. Mm -hmm. Just, and I think just having Toph around in general, like I'm kind of with Allison and Noel on like Koro is really good and having a really strong thing, but just also just having Toph back is, I'm glad she got a huge role, like a huge supporting role, I should say. But after waiting so long and just not knowing what was up with her finally her arriving and getting something to do versus like Katara and Zuko who just yeah pop in say a few lines and that's it magic Healy water bye yeah <laughs> or here's much. my awesome dragon we're not gonna use we're not gonna do anything yeah yeah so yeah I guess that kind of more is thoughts on the series as a whole it's like I really liked how they use Toph in this season but through the series they didn't use the Avatar characters as well as I think they could have and it's like we still don't know how Aang died or what happened to Sokka which I was expecting like I was really expecting season three the villains would have been the ones to have killed Aang or something like that because I felt like like we should figure find out something right but no <laughs> um 
Do you have a favorite character for the series? Do you have um, a favorite uh, animal? Because, of course, we haven't heard your animal picks. And then final takeaways? Uh, for the series, well, it's like my favorite character for pretty much every season until this one was Tenzin. So I think just by virtue of the consistency of that, because he basically couldn't be this season because he was like not around at all for some reason. Probably because J.K. Simmons is really busy. <laughs> He's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tenzin, though, like Cora is great as a character. And I think she has a really just good whole season arc and series arc, which you mentioned it before, comparing it to The Last Airbender, where Cora really shines brighter than all of her supporting cast versus Aang was maybe fourth on like the fifth on the list of, of team, favorite characters. Of people? Oh, yeah. that's rough. It's a four-person <laughs> team and he's fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, do you include Uncle Iroh or not? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Do you include Suki, right? There's, you know, yeah. Appa, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And favorite animal... Well, for its small appearance, the cat deer on the series. For this season, I still really love the badger moles. <laughs> so I'm glad they made an appearance and did something rather significant and helped people. It was a pretty cool moment. Um, yeah. I wish we got more Naga in the last couple of seasons. Like, yeah. I, th- I think Naga was pretty prominent in the first season and it and then just like each subsequent season, just less and less, which is disappointing. Well, the most important question, and I'll leave a, this can be our, our last thought uh, here, unless you have more that you'd like to share. But now that you've fit, gone all the way through Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra, would you recommend these? And to whom would you recommend them? Would you recommend them both or caveated? I would recommend them, and I would recommend them both. Um, they are very different things and it's like one of the things i really appreciate about cora is the series tackles a lot more complicated ideas and it almost seems like they're ahead of its time like all of its like themes are more relevant today than they were back like six seven years ago Mm -hmm. which is sad um (laughs) yep but uh it's worth to watch it just for like that and just thinking like when they were writing those in the early 2010s it's like could they really know that <laughs> strap in guys <laughs> just wait so, till you hit 2020 <laughs> yeah 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 i would definitely recommend them um mm-hmm. especially if they have any interest in like animation at all mm-hmm. so yeah cool well great uh i know you have seen our next show which is yeah. Over the Garden Wall. Do you have any spoiler-free thoughts you'd like to share or, or anything like that? Um, Are you looking forward to it? I am looking forward to it. I'm considering even just like buying the series digitally because I saw it as cheap just because mm-hmm. yeah. it's that good. <laughs> yeah. I have it on DVD somewhere. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be watching it on Hulu, but I, I have it on DVD because it's not that expensive. Um, if you find, especially if you find it on sale and it's, I don't want, I'm trying to not overhype it. I've already overhyped it too much for Allison, but I love <laughs> it so much. I th- so I think I'm a like total easy Mark, it's going to yeah. be fine. I yeah. like it's cute and autumnal. I'm already going to love it. Yeah. 
that and that's all I know so like you know unless all of a sudden it becomes about like toxic masculinity like I'm gonna be fine yeah okay I would just describe it with the word charming and leave it at that mm-hmm. okay well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on uh, Korra and, and Avatar and teasing a little bit over the garden wall. Um, yeah, it's always fun chatting with you, Marcus. So thank you for joining us again. Yeah. Um, do you want to share your... Season orders? Season order, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would go three, four, one, two. Okay. I just decided that as we were talking about it. <laughs> but yeah, I think so. Um, there's points like three is obviously top and then the other ones the more i think about it it's like the bad stuff in two weighs it down too much even though it Mm -hmm. ended strongly and then the first season kind of didn't end as well as it started so that and then my opinion of four has risen above Mm -hmm. those two so that's how yeah i agree that's where i end up i end up with three and then four but i like parts of one quite a bit more than parts of four, but overall, like my, especially having rewatched it and even just, um, in my memory, the, the cream of four rises and one is more potent for me episode to episode, but it trails off by the end. So for me, it's like three and then four and one pretty close and then big gap (laughs) and then two, um, which is not to be too harsh to two, but that's sort of where I am at. Uh, Noel, Allison, what did you land on? I I rank one pretty highly, just from especially from like just on like a strictly animation level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gorgeous, yeah, because it's just so good looking. It's ridiculously good looking, which edges out for me some of the petering off stuff that happens towards the end of the season. Um, so for me, it goes like four, one, three, two, but the difference between one and three is like razor thin basically like if you i could probably swap them and feel okay about it Mm -hmm. um but just the animation quality in book one is just too ridiculous not to acknowledge and then yeah no season two is at the end because it's just such a mess (laughs) of of a season but yeah so it's four one three two for me um and i do want to like just quickly address two Mm -hmm. things one we have no idea how Sokka dies they haven't even talked about on the graphic novels i am perfectly fine not finding out and not knowing i don't need to know because then in my head he died happily in his sleep surrounded by his family or whatever you know yeah, same thing with Aang. Yeah, and Aang dies at the age of 66 because he was trapped in an iceberg for 100 years. Um, and just the sheer weight of that, apparently, on like a cosmic energy level, just like wiped him out relatively mm-hmm. young. So he died at the age of 66. Um, I think they confirmed that in like a spinoff game or one of the comics. Um, but yeah, just died of natural causes of being, as Marcus notes, 166. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no I, I really feel like that as a collective, Mar- DiMartino and Konetsko would have been like, no one is dying by being assassinated or killed from our core trio. They're all yeah. going to die of natural causes or we're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's the deal thing is he died at the age of 66. Okay. Good to know. Well, um, Allison, yeah. Season like, ranks. Uh, well, quick, like Marcus, I was surprised that that was an information we got because it felt like they were doing um, a lot of like stringing out the mystery in little bits and pieces, especially in, I think it was season two. Um, 
but I'm glad to I'm glad to know that much about Aang. I'm afraid to know more about Sokka, but also that's very reassuring. But my precious boy Sokka, I agree. I think he just, maybe he's also wandering the spirit world. I don't know. He is he's not. not. There's no, no meat in the spirit world. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Um, I, I, I'd rather be dead. <laughs> Yes, he would rather be dead than never have meat again. He went that whole five minutes without meat um, back when he was learning to earthbend, and that was enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So seasons, uh, I think, and I feel like maybe recency might shift this a little bit, um, like when there's less recency, um, because I was really impressed by four, uh, but I think right now it's three and then four and one are about even because the things that bugged me bugged me more in season one but I also think that the high with the exception of the finale that the highs are maybe a little bit higher in season one um and the two (laughs) yeah Yeah. and I think two is the lucifer season three yeah like nah get out of here beginning not 300 episodes long yeah yes thank god oh man marcus wants to know did Sokka even uh ever have any family Sokka and suki's kids would have been great yeah that just I, gets to live in our minds yeah i don't know that they've talked about it or not um, i mean they definitely did I, yeah they definitely there's absolutely no way yeah no way all this is really making me do is I think I'm just going to go and buy all the graphic novels like in mm-hmm. a month because um, my partner, I actually spent a lot of money on the Criterion flash sale that happened yesterday. <laughs> like we spent way too much money. You're going to um, have to tell I'm, me what you got when we're off mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're um, off. Well, that's yeah. the thing. We don't remember because she lost the cart and then had to repopulate it from memory. So we actually, I don't know what she ended up buying. <laughs> But I do know it was several hundred dollars worth of Blu-rays and DVDs. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. Yep. To a good cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things when like considering ranking seasons is the fact that two through four basically formed their own trilogy. Um, and season one was never intended to be season one. It was mm-hmm. always just to be the whole show. Um which makes for me, especially on like a narrative comparison level, kind of difficult to thread that needle a little bit. Um, but is also part of the reason why I kind of rank it higher, I think, overall, um, just because I, it gets a little bit more of a curve, I think, for me when I'm evaluating those things, just because it wasn't supposed to be the beginning of something. It was supposed to be the beginning and end of something. Yeah. And then Nickelodeon got greedy and then stupid and then awful. <laughs> drama well uh noel and i obviously recommend the show we had allison watch it allison do you recommend people check out cora and avatar oh yeah absolutely um i think maybe give yourself a little break in between avatar and cora Mm -hmm. um and be prepared to be patient with season two but it's worth it i mean it just like it's great. It's wonderful. I'm so, I feel it's one of those properties that makes me feel grateful that I live in a world where it's possible to access creative, compassionate art. And there's a place in the world for Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> and for um, 
just, you know, dumb stuff. I love dumb stuff sometimes, but uh, it's really something else when the media that is most accessible is the place where you can find stories like these. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. Minus libraries. Let's libraries, 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 but then television. Well, our, like I've been saying, our next show is Over the Garden Wall. Uh, it's on available on Hulu. We're going to start uh, on Monday with the first four episodes. Noel, anything you want to say, spoiler free? So when Marcus was talking about it a little bit and when you were talking about it, I realized that I had like kind of the perfect sort of comparison for it. Okay. What Over the Garden Wall is for autumn is what Hilda is for winter. Mm. Did you watch Hilda, Allison? What? She did. what? Most people didn't watch Hilda. Oh. I mean, I guess then we watch Hilda in the winter, right? Oh, man. <laughs> I, okay. Kate didn't like Hilda as much as I did. Hilda is, um, Hilda is fine. Hilda is good. I enjoyed Hilda. Hilda's hot cocoa with a bunch of marshmallows in it. I love it so much. Well, I do like hot cocoa. But Over the Garden Wall is just beautiful. Yeah. I've already put it in order with my mom, who makes amazing beef stew, that we need to, there needs to be beef stew for Sunday so that we can because my my dad like he's not gonna watch it again I've watched my sister and I love it we've sat um we sat them down to watch it several years ago and he was like it's it's very weird it's like this is not weird but it's it's not not. it's not weird at all what are you talking about this is not weird so he's like yeah I'm not gonna watch it again my mom may or may not she doesn't really remember it from the first time but I will be watching it and I will be like I was like there, you, we require for over the garden wall. We require beef stew, and or uh, hot cider mm-hmm. in a mug, and then yeah. preferably under blankets, watching. Um, so very, very excited for it. Uh, the first, oh, oh, Marcus says over the garden wall is a great October pairing with the Costume Quest video games. I think they released a TV adaptation of them, but I don't know if it's good or not. I don't even know what this is. I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the episodes we're going to watch for Monday are the first four, which are The Old Grist Mill, Hard Times at the Huskin Bee, School Town Follies, and Songs of the Dark Lantern. So I'm not even going to have you guess anything, Allison. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. I have no context. Yeah. I will say that, wow, it's nice to have interesting episode titles again. Much yeah. better. Much better than Reunion. It's like four Venom of the Red Lotuses. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note of four Venom of the Red Lotuses, uh, we will be back next week. Thank you, Marcus, for joining us again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, go get your Over the Garden Wall on. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.